Well, hey, Heritage, good morning. Welcome to all of you here at Rock Island, and a shout out to those at our Bettendorf and QC West campuses and those joining us online. This is the beginning of our two-week global outreach emphasis, and we're taking a bit of a scaled-down, back-to-basics approach as we are continuing to prayerfully assess and review and visit who, the what, the where, and the why of our missional engagements. But I don't want the scaled-back nature to confuse you into thinking that this isn't important. It is vitally important. It's so important we're being that intentional about it. That as a church, we need to make sure that we have the heartbeat of God and it's expressed in our missional investments. The, the, height, the health and vitality of any church depends on whether or not we're walking with the heartbeat of God. And then what we do in this life expresses that as we engage this world. And I'm excited as we venture through his word this week and next, digging further into that. I'm also excited because the theme around this year is an area of personal passion for me. The idea of living sent. And I am expectant that God is going to be working in and through this journey. Now, having said that, I want to just start out by asking you a question. Can you think of a time when you have been sent somewhere to do something? Can you think of a time? Whether it's been just to go downstairs to retrieve something from the basement, or to go to a meeting to just interact with a person, or even to go to the store to get something. Most of us can probably think of a time where we have been sent somewhere to do something. Many of you know that I have two sons, Joshua and Daniel. Daniel is my youngest son, and he just turned 15 this past July. I want to show you two pictures of Daniel and I. The first one, or the one on top, was taken a, a few years ago on the USS Midway in San Diego in front of a plane of his favorite color, yellow. The second picture, or the bottom one, was taken in the same location just over four years later. Some things have not changed. That plane's still yellow, and Daniel was cute then and he's cute now. You with me, ladies? Yeah. Listen, back when he was a little cute guy, Daniel and I would go on what we called adventures. Most of you might call them errands, but we called them adventures. And one, one adventure, we were sent to the store to get a few things while Beth was finishing up the preparations for the evening meal. We had been sent to the grocery store to get two things. By the time we returned, we had six. Now, not to give you the wrong impression, the extra four items came from the subsequent phone calls from headquarters, not us adding to the list. So here's the deal. That trip was a rough trip for us because we probably walked the full length of that store five times in the most inefficient way possible. Passing people all along the way. Having to make phone calls back. We probably called eight times. Hey, where do we find that item? Hang up. Get to that place. Call back. Of the six options, which one do you want of this item? It was a rough trip, and the people who watched us knew it. And they politely would smile, and they look at Daniel with that look of, oh, you poor boy, your father is lost and confused. <laughs> and they were right. It was rough. Look, most of us can probably think of a time where we have been sent somewhere to do something. And maybe your track record's better than mine. Maybe you've not had to call headquarters as many times as Daniel and I did. But as rough as that trip was for us, we knew we had a purpose and we knew we'd been sent. And when we know we are sent and what we are sent for, it makes all the difference. Especially when the journey gets rough. And that's really good to know and understand because everyone who follows Jesus is sent. In fact, it was 
Jesus, who was speaking with God one day, John 17, verse 18, and he said, he said, as you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. He has sent us into the world. Where has he sent us? Into the what? Into the world. We have been sent into the world. Now, hold that thought for a moment. It's pretty clear just by that single statement that Jesus made, but to make sure it was understood and clear, the, in his final instructions to his disciples, he said some things that just confirmed it all the more. And we find that in Matthew chapter 28, uh, starting with verse 19. He said, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age." That is our mission. Those are our marching orders. It tells us to live on mission with purpose wherever we go. These directives or these instructions are independent of age, regardless of location, and they're for all people for all time. It's actually why we're still here after we receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. It's the reason why at the moment we receive salvation, that, that the Lord just doesn't suck us to heaven so fast or creates a vacuum on the earth. It's because he has left us here with a mission to be sent. That mission is, is clear. It, it's actually this thing called the, the Missio Dei. Say that with me if you would. Missio Dei. Missio Dei. That's actually Latin for what can be translated as the mission of God or the sending of God. The mission of God. God sent his son, Jesus, to this earth on a specific mission. He was sent to die to pay the penalty for our sins so that you and I can have life, and not just any life, but life to the full. He was sent to save us ultimately so that we can be sent into the world. So being a follower of Jesus Christ inherently means we are sent. We are a sent people. It's because he was that we are. And as a church family, we keep ourselves uh, focused on this task with the term live sent. Say that with me. Live sent. Do it again. Live sent. In fact, turn to somebody next to you and say, you are sent. Tell them, you are sent. Say, you are sent, my brother. You are sent, my sister. Okay, look, some of you are saying that and you're hearing it, and the people you're saying it to are, are, are like, yes, I'm ready. Let me go. And others you are like, hold on, back off. Don't mess with my life. But listen, we are We are sent. We are a sent people, but we're not the only ones who, who have been sent. Jesus clearly was sent. In fact, like 40 times, Jesus refers to the concept of being sent in the Gospel of John alone. He was sent, and we are sent. He said in John chapter 20, verse 20, 21, he says, As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And when he said that, he said it to his disciples in that moment, but it wasn't just for them, it was for all the disciples who were still yet to come, including you and I, who walk with Jesus today. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And the ministry of his church is all about sending, not keeping. 
Go and make disciples is about sending. Jesus trained and equipped his disciples in order to send them. Yet we often fall into this idea that we train and equip disciples to keep them. But the reality is that we are not called to ultimately recruit church members or to get converts, but rather to make disciples. Disciples who follow Jesus and live sent. And it's because our God so loves this world, the people in this world, that he seeks to rescue the lonely and the hurting and the addict and the abandoned and the lost. And he seeks to do it through us, through you and me. So that the lonely can be comforted, so that the hurting can be healed, so the addicted can be free and the abandoned and lost can be found. The people of this world need to know he has not abandoned them. They are not alone. They can be free, and they are loved. And he sends us to carry that message as his sent people. And if we know and understand that reality, then that changes how we live life, how we use our time, talent, and treasure, how we handle relationships, what we do in crisis moments, what we do with opportunities. Because the reality is the followers of Jesus live sent in every situation always. Because sent is not something we do. Sent is something that we are. And and if we were to step out of that concept for just a moment and think there are actually two scenarios for us that we can live in, two categories we could find ourselves living in life. One is really marked around the issue of will, and it starts with really kind of following human will. The other category is to live in light of God's will and His purpose. When we live under our will, human will, we can find ourselves in a different world than we intended altogether. Something that we didn't expect in how we relate to him and and live in this life. As a people of God, we can choose between living our purposes or living his purposes. And there's a big difference between how we do that. If we live according to our purposes, there is low commitment When we live according to his purposes, he calls us to high commitment. It's an all in. It's all or nothing. In that high commitment, there is the reality that we can live in in this world with a peace that passes understanding, with joy. But when we live according to our purposes, our will, who knows how that's going to go? And it's often way messier, way way more difficult. Even though we sit here and go, well, it's going to be easier if I can just do things my way. And it actually, when I look at the things of God, it's hard to stand in the gap in this world, to be a light in darkness That's a hard place to serve. But the reality is, when we do that, we have unlimited potential and power through Him. It's unlimited. In our strength, we are deeply and significantly limited. And as we go through this journey, if we stay living according to our purposes, because of sin in this life, because of mistakes that we make, the things that we regret, there is punishment at the end of that journey. But when we live under his grace, we live in a relationship with him through his son, Jesus Christ, there is reward. And there are only two ways for us to live, and we could categorize them this way. We can say that we can live separated from God, or we can live sent from God. Those are the two categories that we can function in this world. But yet in our creativity, in our desire to keep parts of things to ourselves and and maximize the benefit of having some connection to God, we take what we have and we try to combine it with what he asks. We can often try to create this middle ground scenario where we can call it saved. And we seek to live as a people who are saved. 
not sent, and not separated. In that saved place, we try to pick and choose kind of all a cart. We want low commitment, but we want the peace that passes understanding and the joy that comes with it. We prefer that this thing be easy, and we want the unlimited potential that comes, and we definitely want the reward. And when we try to live in that middle a la carte ground, we create this limbo that really was never intended to exist in the first place. God does not call us to live saved. He calls us to live sent. And when we choose to put a line here and live this direction, we actually are choosing ourselves. We're making it an inward focus. It is about us, and we lose sight of him and others. Losing sight of the fact that we were made for him and made for others. We can live sent or we can live separated, but we can't just live saved. We are called to live sent by the Father, or we can live separated from Him, but we cannot just live simply saved. We were made for greater purpose, not lesser purposes. And we can often end up focused on ourselves. You might be thinking, okay, Sean, I see that, but isn't that just semantics? I'm like, no, it's not. This is foundational thinking. It's a foundational mindset for how we approach life. And we can choose to live separated or we can live sent. Those are our options. But yet we try to create this middle ground of an alternative reality. And it just doesn't work that way. We are not just here to do whatever we want. We were, not, we were made for more. We're not made for ourselves. We have been sent. If we just consider what the Apostle Paul said, the guy who started out by hunting Christians, who once he found life in Jesus, moved from separated to sent, He started to live totally differently. Here's what he said in Galatians chapter 2. He said, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. His authority, his purpose, his plan as a sent people. Jesus gave his life for us, and we in return are to give ourselves away for his glory and the good of others. Yet when we choose to seek to live saved, it causes us to live lesser lives, focused on ourselves, and then we lose sight of him. And then life doesn't make sense, and we struggle to find contentment, satisfaction, even joy. You may remember uh, a classic joke, two guys walking through the woods together, they're just hiking along, and they come across a bear. And immediately something happens in that moment. You guys remember this joke? The one guy drops down to the ground, immediately just falls to the ground. What's he start to do? He kicks off his hiking boots, right? And then he grabs his running shoes. He starts to put on his running shoes as fast as he can, and his buddy's standing over top of him going, what in the world are you doing? Are you crazy? There is no way that you're going to be able to outrun a bear. And from the ground, the guy looks back up and says, I don't have to outrun the bear. I just need to outrun you. (laughs) Classic joke. Great setup, great punchline great joke. And it's funny as a joke. But when we take that view of every man for himself and we use that perspective when it comes to life and salvation, it's no longer funny. When we take the perspective that, okay, I have found new life in Jesus. I am saved. I'm good. I'm just waiting for him to come back or to call me home. We've missed the point. We're living saved. But we're called to live sent. And living sent looks different than that. Living sent means we stand in the gap between the bear and our friend. Living sent means we'll do everything we can to pull our friend to safety. Living sent means we will use all resources, all energy, all expensive power so that person can live life, and not just live any life, but life to the full. Even when it costs us something. Look, followers of Jesus live sent in every situation. 
They live sent in every situation, even when it costs us. Let's explore an example of this. And so grab your Bible, grab the sermon notes guide if you'd like, or your device and click to Luke 15. We're going to be in Luke 15. We looked at this story uh, a while back uh, in the spring. We looked at the first part of the story. This is a, what some Bibles call the prodigal son or the parable of the lost son. And we're going to look at the back half. But that first half is where the younger, the younger son got his inheritance and he went off and he squandered all that money and wild living and he became destitute and despairing. And with no other options, he decided to go back home and to work as a slave for his dad. And, and instead of that, finding that uh, as the solution, he found his dad running to him and loving on him and forgiving him and lavishing gifts on him. And, and it's a beautiful word picture of how God responds to us when we finally return from our running and our rebellion. It's beautiful. But that's not the whole story. There's a backside to this story, and it relates to the older brother. And that's what I want to look at today. This is Luke 15, starting at verse 25. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Okay, so let me just ask you to get your thinking going, rhetorical question. How was this older brother living? You just can go back to what he was saying in a a moment before. He's, He's talking like I and me and I, only as it affects him. And we see he's making himself the cause. So he was ultimately living what? Saved. He was living saved. Focusing inward and struggling in the tension between sent and separated. He could feel the discomfort. He didn't like it, but he couldn't reconcile and choose to be submissive and obedient, to be sent, even though it would cost him. But yet he didn't want to fully negate his relationship and run in a separated direction. He was stuck in between in the tension of saved. Followers of Jesus live sent in every situation, even when it costs us. Here's the sad part. In his selfishness, in his limited thinking, in his narrow perspective, he lost sight of all that he had. And when the Father says, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. In a way, he's saying this, and listen, if I could say this differently. It's like he's saying, don't worry about a ring or a robe, or a calf, or a party on a single night. You and I are in relationship. Your identity is not diminished when I celebrate another or forgive your brother. You don't lose when I ask you to forgive or when I ask you to sacrifice for the good of another. You gain. In fact, our relationship is enhanced all the more when you give as I give, when you love as I love, when you care about what I care about, when you live sent. Yet the older brother, in the face of that truth, struggled. See, there are times that grace can feel like losing. Losing. 
especially when we have needs or desires that aren't realized. But that happens when we're living saved. When we live saved, we feel like we lose when grace costs us something. And if we're not careful, we can get lost in a pit of selfishness just like the older brother was, pouting on the porch. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us in the story that Jesus gave what would happen next. What, did, he, did he change his thinking or not? Did he stay pouting on the porch or did he go into the party? We don't know exactly what happened in this journey. But here's the deal. That older brother started out living sent, faithful to the Father, serving, obeying, doing everything that he was asked. But in the moment we just read on the porch, pouting, he was living saved. And if he didn't change his thinking or his attitude or his approach, he was on a trajectory to live separated. Followers of Jesus live sent in every situation, even when it costs us. You know, for years I tried living saved. Didn't understand what I was doing. I just knew I'd, I'd found a relationship with Jesus at an early age. I understood his love. I'd received his grace. I understood forgiveness. My shame was gone. I, and so I was living in my world. I had my ticket to heaven. I was all set, but it was just all about me. And I didn't realize the reason I was still here wasn't to wait until he came back or to wait until he called me home. It was to live sent, representing him in circumstances and relationships, to be involved in the rescue of those far from him, I was trying to live in a category that he'd never intended to exist. I was trying to live saved. And maybe even more accurately, I was trying to live safe. Because to live as a sent person of God requires risk. It requires sacrifice. It requires exposing our heart. It requires forgiving and forgiving and forgiving. It requires considering others better than ourselves, not looking just our own interests, but the interests of others. That's risky. But it's what we're asked to do. We are not our own. We have been sent. And even though we may understand that intellectually, that's really hard to live out sometimes. Yet, even when it costs us, we're supposed to step sacrificially because it cost him. Followers of Jesus live sent every, in every situation. Um, you know, I, I've mentioned before that I have a dog. Uh, her name is Riley. I'm going to show you the picture again. Here you go. Uh, okay, get it all out. Come on, work it out. There you go. Okay, look. Okay, she's a klutz. She's a sweetheart. She loves people, and she is determined. So here's the deal. This is the story I want to tell you. When we first got her, we lived in a home that had a porch and a sliding glass door, and that sliding glass door is just to the left in that picture. Now, the deal is, um, when she would go outside, uh, she has a heavy coat, so she'd get hot. She'd play, and after she'd just get so hot, I'd want to send her inside so she could cool off, just lay down and chill out. But nine times out of ten, when I sent her inside, she didn't lay down and chill out. She went from door to window to window to door to door to window, window to door, trying to see us and trying to get to us. In fact, she would do that consistently until she found out how to open that sliding glass door. Uh-huh. Yes, she did. When it wasn't locked, she figured out, then she didn't know if it was locked or not, but she would test it. She would lean up against it, and then she would lean back, and it would open. And then she'd stick her head in the door and push it open all the way, and she'd come running out into the yard right after us. A little stinker. Here's the deal. Even though she was sent inside for a purpose, she was so determined to just be with us that she lost sight of what she was sent to do. And the reality is that we can do the same thing she did in our relationship with God. We can love to be with God so much that we just want to be with him, hang out with him, block all the world out, hang there, and forget that we have been sent and miss the point that we're still here and what he wants to do in and through us. 
And my friends, look, that mission that he gives us is too important not to try and too big for us to do alone. It's too important for us not to try and too big for us to do alone. It was after Jesus' resurrection that um, over a 40-day period, he showed up to his disciples. Cool moments, man. I wish we knew all the details about all of those exchanges, but we don't. But in one exchange, he brought what I call mission clarity to his disciples. And he said this in Acts 1. He said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So what does that mean? Well, I want you to think about it this way for a moment, if we could. I live in Moline. Moline is part of the Quad Cities. It's specifically in Illinois. Illinois is part of the United States of America. United States of America are part of North America in the Western Hemisphere and ultimately part of the world. Where did Jesus send us? Into the what? Into the world. Now, we have a local reality to that, but we are sent into the world. Let's take what Jesus said to his disciples in Acts 1 and see what this means. There is the reality of his witnesses in Jerusalem, locally, in Judea, regionally, in Samaria, internationally, to the very ends of the earth. The world. So here's the deal. We serve a global God who gives us a global mission. It's global. When we hear the word global, we often think just about international, but that's not true. Global includes international, but global also includes local, because global is everything. Global is all of it. Global is everywhere. Local is where we're at. We, as the people of God, are called to invest globally, but to act locally. We're called to invest globally, but to act locally. That means wherever we are in any given moment of any given day, we are to be acting as the hands and feet of Jesus, as the sent people of God in the context that we're at. So if we're in the Quad Cities, we do that in the Quad Cities. If we're in Africa, we do that in Africa. All the while maintaining the reality that we are ultimately investing in a global mission, and we are investing globally to the very ends of the earth. Global is everywhere. Local is where we are. We have been sent into the homes, into workplaces, into the marketplace, into our neighborhoods. The mission is for people everywhere, and we are sent. And where we're at is our mission field, investing globally, acting locally. Now, that, we may know that, and we start to understand the, the scope of that, and, and just to be honest, that's big. That's huge. God sends us into the world. That's a, a global mission can be overwhelming. We can look around at the world and see the brokenness and see all the needs and, and just get overwhelmed. And sometimes we just don't know what to do. And in those moments, we, we don't want to mess things up, so we don't do anything. Or we try something and we find out it's more complicated than we thought, and then we just quit trying. But listen, the mission of God is too important not to try and too big for us to do alone. That's one reason why we take time every year just to revisit our global investments, our global mission. You received a brochure when you came in today that looks like this. I want to encourage you to take time to prayerfully read through this. There's some information from me, there's information about our investments, opportunities coming this year, trips, international, local. Okay, I want to encourage you to read through this, but there's also some information in there that will position you to understand that we have this opportunity and calling to invest globally. And one of the ways that you can do that, and we can do that specifically, is to step into what we call faith promise. 
Faith promise is above and beyond giving. It's above ties. It's giving that we do by faith. That we say we have a God who sends us on a global mission. If he sends us on a global mission, he'll provide the resources and he provides them through us. So by faith, prayerfully seeking his face, we say, God, this is what I believe you have given me or are going to give me to allow me to, to be part of investing globally as I act locally. I want to encourage you to begin praying about how God may be asking you to help resource the global mission through faith promise. We're going to talk more about that next week, but I encourage you even now to begin to pray, asking God how he wants to use you to facilitate the greater mission, specifically through faith promise giving. As I have studied all that Jesus has done and said in scripture, it's clear to me that he calls us to a high standard. It's all or nothing. And it's silly to think that we can be Christians but not live as a people who are sent. We are sent. We are the church. We are the sent ones. And that changes how we live. Check out this video. Churches are full of people. The broken, the lonely, the wanderers, the hopeful, the enthusiastic, the lost, the passionate, and the faithful. For many, this gathering represents the whole of their church experience. They'll listen attentively to a message, they'll sing a few songs, they'll be invited to pray, and then they'll return to their lives. But for some, questions will start bubbling to the surface of their faith. Is this the extent of what Jesus intended for his followers? Who is the church for? Why does the world need the church? And what is the church after all? Well, the church isn't the building where people attend weekly services. It's not a program, a list of rules, or a philosophy. The church isn't a political affiliation, a country club, or a holiday tradition. The church was never intended to be just an assembly of people wearing nice clothes and saying nice things. The church is all the followers of Jesus everywhere. The Greek word for church is the word ekklesia. It's the combination of two words, ek, which means out, and kaleo, meaning called. Thus, the church, the ecclesia, means the called out ones. In other words, the church, the collective body of all the followers of Jesus everywhere, is called out by someone for something, for a purpose. The beginning of the book of Acts has Jesus calling his disciples to a task, bringing something called the gospel, the good news, to all the world. And this gospel would go out to all the outsiders, the forgotten, the abandoned, and the excluded. And they, those outsiders, would see and receive that good news as actually good. And when Jesus talked about the gospel, it was always in conjunction with something else, something called the kingdom of God. And in the kingdom of God, God's purposes are made apparent. There's justice and righteousness. There's hope for the poor and for the oppressed. And under the kingdom of God, mercy and forgiveness take precedence over bitterness and resentment. Now, people previously deemed to be far from God are brought into his family, adopted as his sons and daughters. And the fullness of the kingdom of God, according to Jesus, is not merely expressed as a way for people to escape an evil world when they die. Rather, the good news of God's kingdom is about the announcement of God's eternity moving into the present world and carrying on into the life to come. The people who belong to Jesus join him in his worldwide restoration project. And the called out ones, the church, are committed to advancing this good news of God's kingdom into the world, not as a means of helping people avoid the world, but rather to see God's kingdom life being made real here and now. The whole church with the power of the whole gospel for the whole world. 
That's a whiteboard on steroids. <laughs> Be still my beating heart. The whole church with the whole gospel for the whole world. So what? What do we do? Well, I think there is a question that we all need to be willing to honestly consider. And it's simply this. How will you live? How will you live? Will you live as someone separated from God or sent from God? Will you live pouting on the porch or live with purpose? How will you live? Will you live as someone who who seeks their own self-interest or will you seek the interests of others? Enough so that even when it costs us, you're still willing to love and serve and sacrifice. How will you live? For yourself or for others? Each of us have an opportunity and responsibility to live sacrificially, to live in love and faithfulness to Jesus Christ as a sent people. God leads us into encounters with people and into places where we can show his love and his grace, and we can either help lead others into relationship with him and join him in the work that he's doing, or we can live pouting on the porch, missing opportunities, or even worse, separated from him entirely. How will you live? There's an opportunity for us to look for the needs around us. There are things that we can do, and we don't have to wait. We don't have to wait till we're older. We don't have to wait till we're trained. We don't have to even wait to be told because we are already sent. We have an opportunity to make the most of all the opportunities he brings in front of us. This is so clear for me. It's in God's word. It's woven through the pages of scripture, and it's painted on the pillars of the church that if we love God, we're going to go. If we love others, we will go. And if we understand and seek to fulfill the mission, we will go. We are to live as a people who are sent, making the most of every opportunity along the way. And whether you're a student, a business professional, skilled laborer, stay-at-home mom, or you're retired, you have the opportunity and responsibility to be sent to live sent. How will you live? I want to leave us with uh, a statement out of one of the letters of Paul. It's actually this sister letter to the book of Colossians that we just studied this summer. It's from Ephesians. He said this, For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. My friends, the New Testament is about a God who sends a son, and that son sends a people on mission. And as long as there's one person in our communities who does not yet know Jesus, our work is not done. And the truth is that we can see communities and people and family groups and neighborhoods transformed as you and I step boldly as a people sent. Once lost, now found. Now found, and then now sent. How will you live? I can't wait to see how we as a church When we respond in obedience, God will work in ways we never thought were possible or could have ever imagined. That these quad cities and beyond can be transformed as we make the most of those opportunities as ascent people. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the opportunity to gather. But more importantly than that, I thank you that you have pursued us. Even when we were separated, you you didn't leave us there. You pursued us and you made a way for us to step into relationship with you. Through your son, Jesus, we can be saved and then ultimately sent. God, I pray that you would help us 
to be stirred as a people, never to be satisfied with a saved category in between picking and choosing, but we would be all in with you, that you would be able to work in and through us in ways we never expected. By your power at work in us, we would see lives transformed and families transformed and communities and neighborhoods never looking the same again because your love and your grace abounded through us in those places. God, we're still here, and so we have we have things in front of us that you're calling us to. And I pray that as we each prayerfully consider faith promise, as we consider where you're calling us to invest love and grace and relationship around us, may we hear from you. We know what to do with that. And may we not just complete a task, God, but may we bring you glory. This is for you. This is about you. May your will be done in and through us. And may we sit back and stand in awe, praising you for what you have been able to do through a people willing to be surrendered and sent. I love you. I pray these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen.